0: This is Ask an Expat with Marcus and Matt from An Expat's Russia, where we answer your questions about what it's like to live, work, and travel in Russia.
1: Hi, everyone. Welcome to this video. Today, we're going to talk about what our experience was like teaching English in Russia as two Americans. Marcus, I know we both have quite a bit of experience teaching English in Russia, um, both freelance and at language schools. Maybe you wanna kick it off and kind of tell your story about where and how you taught English in Russia.
0: Yeah, um, I would say first off that I really loved my experience teaching and almost all of the capacities that I that I taught in. Um, I started off at a language school and I did some freelance after a while. I would do, I did both. And then um, I mostly switched to freelance. I taught at a university and then pretty much uh, you know, freelance after that again. So, what I mean by freelance is private teaching, one-on-one. Um, I so my very first experience. Well, real
1: quick, yeah. re- real quick, I have an ex- I have a question about freelance um, because I worked freelance too, and I think there are two different categories of freelance working. One, you can be a freelance teacher for language schools. Um, that was primarily what I did. I would go to. Well, I taught business English for the most part, so I would go to a company that. The language school set me up to go to Um, i wasn't really associated with that school other than i was just their teacher Mm -hmm. i worked for the school i didn't have like a set i only serviced a few of their clients and i would do that for a number of different language schools and then the other side of the coin is completely freelance working with individuals i also did that teaching business english to um, businessmen in st petersburg so i just want to let our viewers know that there are two kind types of freelance work in Russia. You can be completely freelance or you can be kind of like a contractor for language. Right. Right. And
0: um, maybe in the in another video, we can go into kind of the reasons for that and and the structure. But um, my Mm -hmm. first experience was at was at a very small language school in just outside Moscow in 2009. I worked for for them um, about nine months. My contract was actually six mm-hmm. months, um, and then I kind of s- slowly tapered off, um, taking less and less classes with them uh, as I built up my my uh, you know private clientele group. Um, but the one thing that I, I would say about a language school, it's a hit or miss as far as like really getting you know getting along with the language school management. Um, right like you know do they pay pay you on time and like i can understand like the language school is taking a big risk by hiring somebody they've never seen before and getting them a visa and going through all the paperwork and you get there and what if you're not very charismatic the students don't really take to you um so it, it is a big risk but but there are um, you know, some language schools who kind of uh, have cheated uh, um, foreigners, not paid them on time, or whatever. Or a lot of the time, they they just don't prepare you well enough. So, basically, what? the first paid English teaching job I had was this at this language school outside of Moscow. Um, they gave me accommodation, like a shared accommodation, um, mm-hmm. in an apartment right right near the um, school I had the the great thing about it was I was kind of new to it I, I taught English as a volunteer and I loved it and that's why mm-hmm. I wanted to go back and do it but um, the language school gave me they didn't pay me a lot they paid, basically paid for my expenses but um, it gave me kind of like a solid foundation of being comfortable in a classroom uh, getting you know getting to know how to, how to best prepare for a, a class. I taught um, teenagers. I taught conversation groups. I taught beginners. Um, a local school mm-hmm. had um, like a, quite a big group of 10-year-olds who, for whatever reason, they didn't have an English... It was a, a public school, and they sent the kids over mm-hmm. in the morning to, to a class twice a week with me. Um, I also liked that a lot. Um, so all this working with students of different ages was really was really great. Um, and th- the thing was, it it just um, over time you kind of think, you know, you see the demand as a teacher, and you think, am I right. being underpaid? <laughs> and and you right, start, right. and then you start uh, doing picking up some private clients, and and um, yeah. So so. I went from a small language school, teaching you know there most of the day, and then to private clients who paid much more, but I would have to travel to them. So there's definitely the the, right. um, you know, you have to weigh weigh the pros and cons. But the private students um, I found through mostly agencies. So there's lots of agencies. Mm-hmm. They they have a contract with the with the family. And it was kind of funny because um, I, I really like working with kids so, and I didn't really know how much a private student would, you know, the, the parent or the, or the student himself would pay. So I reached out to this um, at the time, it was a, a well-known agency in Moscow, and they said, I came in for an interview, they, they really liked me, and they said, hey, you would be great. Um, do you work with kids? And I wasn't sh- really sure should I should I work with you know young kids or not? And they said we have a lot of clients who who want to uh, who want teachers for the young kids. And I'm like, okay, I'll work with maybe six year olds or or six and up is what I said initially. Yep. And then the la- the the lady I talked to said, how about you try with with like two and three year olds? And I was like, uh, I mean, I don't know. And I did. I got tons of clients after that, and, and it, it went well. So I really liked working with all ages. The One thing is if you're only working with young kids in the classroom or, you know, if it's a large class, you, you need so much energy. Um, if it's one-on-one, right. I like that, uh, you know, you can kind of really focus on that one student, whether it's an adult or or a kid, but the thing that I, I really liked kind of being um, silly with a kid or something like that um, but then if you have too many chil- uh, children that you work with, you're doing that all day so it gets boring. So I, that's why I had you know lots of students different ages. I'd really like my um, the adults I worked with, um, when they uh, were worked in different industries, I would I felt like when I worked with my uh, with the students who were, you know, like teenagers and up, that my job was basically asking them questions, all the, like an interviewer. You're asking them questions. You're getting yeah. them to talk. Obviously, you're providing, you know, valuable language input so they can mimic you and say it correctly. But it seemed like it was just I was I was getting them to talk and speak and and. We, we would have fun and I would get paid for it. so that's kind of my, right. my, uh, that was my um, experience from 2009 to and then it took a break, and I went back to Moscow to about up till 2019, I, I had private students.
1: Yeah. Well, I didn't teach quite that long, um, <laughs> actually, significantly less. I taught up for about a year. Um, my teaching English in Russia journey started kind of by accident. I went to Russia, I met somebody and we were going to start a tourism company. And that was the same year that the sort of political crisis between Ukraine and Russia broke out. So there were no tourists in Russia that summer. I had to figure something out. I remember that it started, I had met a British guy in St. Petersburg where I lived and he said, Matt, I know where I, I, you know, I can help you get a job teaching English. Um, and so he set me up with this local school. I think it was, I don't i don't think it was public, but it was for kind of like disadvantaged kids mm. or kids that had trouble learning. So that was kind of a difficult environment, but I, I really quite liked it, except for one aspect, which I'll get to. Um, but essentially I would go there a couple times a week and I would teach all the grades. So like starting from first grade up through 11th grade. And so I would have like a little... You know I didn't didn't do a lot of preparation cuz I was kind of new to it but I was I'm quite a talkative guy and charismatic and also quite good with kids so it was easy Actually I think the hardest age group was like the 8 to 10 year old boys <laughs> it was just absolutely absolutely miserable It's like they don't want to do anything they just want to rough house and so that was But that if was you work tough, with like a little if bit, you
0: work with them I was amazed because I had that whole group of 10 year olds was super hard to yeah? super hard to control uh, to manage the classroom but if you work with them one on one It's night and day. Sure, sure. It's night and day, it's crazy. Yeah, of
1: course, of course. Well, because they play off each other, right? Like one starts making jokes when one says something wrong, he's like, oh, you're a dummy. And then they start laughing and (laughs) it's it's tough. It definitely is tough. But anyway, so I started doing that. It was quite fun. Teaching the high schoolers was kind of interesting too because really it was, like you said, just kind of creating a dialogue and getting them to talk. So we'd pick like a topic and then talk. But, um, and then I did that for a couple months um and in the beginning they kind of insinuated like they would pay me but then it turned out that it was like a volunteer opportunity that british guy just volunteered me to do this (laughs) and so like i was asking them like you know like what's the pay and they're like oh we can't we can't pay you and then i'm like kind of stuck in this position where i can't just like leave these people today like after a few weeks i mean i was obviously like the highlight of some of the older kids day because you know they would get to talk to me and it was interesting for them and I think some of the old Russian lady teachers that they had were not the most interesting and enthusiastic. Um, so I kind of stuck through that, but at the same time I got an introduction to a language school in St. Petersburg. And I was kind of teaching, like I was saying at the beginning of the video where they would, they had companies that would come to them and say, we want a teacher to do business English lessons. And so then the school would talk with me and say, Matt, can you go to this or that company at this time? And those were good and bad, right? Because, the lessons were either at eight in the morning or at six at right. night. And so you were always on the train at rush hour and that was a, a pain. Um, but you had kind of, I had some actual one-on-one students that companies were paying to have their employees taught. And then I also had groups. Um, that was a lot of fun. And then as I kept going, you as you said, you start to wonder like, am I getting, am I underpaid here or, or what? Um, I I remember getting paid fifteen hundred dollars, fifteen hundred rubles an hour for these business business English Mm lessons. But when you factor in the travel to get to them, you're wasting a lot of time. Right. And so, and again, they're only like an hour and a half, or maximum two hours long. So you know you're only getting three thousand rubles, like forty dollars to spend. You know, forty minutes getting there, two hours there, forty minutes back, and you're like it's half a day for forty (laughs) dollars. not a lot of money. Um, and then I met this other English kind of school, or let's call it an agency. They basically worked with wealthy individuals, and they would send English teachers. But what the way it worked was they would take, let's say, 5,000 rubles an hour, and they would give me 2,500. Yeah. And, and they wouldn't do anything. They wouldn't help with transportation. Um, and so at first, it sounds good, like 2,500 an hour. But then you're usually going to more far-flung places where these wealthy people are living. It's harder to get there, longer mm-hmm. to get there. Um, again, uh, the one that I worked with the most, they lived in Sestryetsk, which was like an hour outside. Yeah, of yeah, You had to like take the Metro to the end of the line. Then you had to get on a bus then you had to walk from the bus stop to their house. Um, it was, it was tough. Um, but I remember after, I don't know, three or four months working with this wealthy family, um, And the language school is like, oh, you know, we don't have money to pay you this week. You know, we can pay you next week. And you get into these arguments, especially if you're like a freelancer. That's why I wanted to say in the beginning that there's a definite difference between being a freelancer with the language school and being completely employed. Yeah, directly.
0: You're working directly with the the students or the parents.
1: Right, right. And so we got into like this whole mess and. Fortunately for me, um, the language school kind of dropped the ball with communicating with this wealthy individual. And so one time he just kind of said to me like, you know, Matt, do you like working with this school? And I said, well, you know, to be honest, not really, you know, they don't pay me on time, sometimes not at all. And he's like, how about this? You tell me how much you want and I will pay you directly. And I said, okay, um, 5,000 rubles an hour. And he's like, okay, no problem. And I was like, dang. I undersold myself. (laughs) He must be paying more than that. (laughs) Um, And so that's how we did it from there on out. He would just um, pay me cash every time I came and it was way better. Um, Also, you build kind of closer relationship that way because when you're working through a language school, you don't know the boundaries, you know, like you're kind of a contractor, right? You're working for somebody in somebody else's house and, you know, you don't know. And I found that after I started working with them, you know, um, just one-on-one, then I started teaching his wife and I was having lessons with his kids every once in a while. Um, and it was just, it was a much more enjoyable experience. They would invite me to like stay afterwards and have like tea and, and desserts with them. And it was just a, a great experience. Uh, but after a while, um, I had a professional background before I went to Russia. So while I was teaching these people, so this guy, he ran a real estate company. And so I would you know help prepare him for international conferences because he was talking with investors from the US and Europe, and he needed to, to speak better English for that. Um, so, we were talking about business topics, which was kind of um, where my expertise was from college, but um, I just found that it's very hard to teach people because even if someone's motivated, a lot of people don't actually have the desire to really learn another
0: language. So They're doing people it, they would ask the you adults about, would do it just because they needed the promotion or exactly. they needed to travel and um, right yeah the kids didn't weren't motivated because their parents would make them
1: right and so I, I think I could count on one hand how many students I had that were like truly motivated and since I learned Russian I had a lot of good advice for you know how to learn a language and so I would give that and I, I, they would just keep asking me every single time. You know, we had lessons like, Matt, what do I need to do to get better faster? I'd say, well, what we talked about last time would be very <laughs> helpful. You know, did you watch a TV show in English since we last met? And they're like, oh, no, I didn't have time. And, yeah. you know, yeah. so like that, it just, it, it got difficult for me. Um, and that's how I, or not how, but more why I transitioned out of teaching English. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's my story. I taught English for about a year in St. Petersburg. I had a lot of fun, um, but there were certainly ups and downs not getting paid was, was a big hassle. So I would also say as one big piece of advice, you need to be very confident in yourself. If you're gonna work freelance, like Russians, they're very direct. It's not like Americans where you can kind of beat around the bush, you know, what your price is. Or you, sometimes you have to say like, you need to pay me now or I'm not going to the next lesson.
0: Yeah. Um, I found that that was... I actually didn't have a lot of trouble getting paid I hear that a lot from really from uh, yeah from expats and other language teachers but I can't remember I can't even remember once when I didn't get paid huh well I would say consider yourself lucky <laughs> no I've heard it so many times I mean, I re- I'm trying to I'm trying to think was there a situation there were situations where we didn't agree like uh, it just wasn't, good. you know, sometimes the personality, my personality didn't fit their, their personality or they were too demanding and I would just say, you know sure. what, this, um, I think you should find a different teacher or, um, it didn't happen often, I, I pretty much got along with everyone, but as a piece of advice for anyone thinking about teaching in Russia, number one, you should definitely have a genuine interest in Russia or Russian and two, right. you should like people. I mean, uh, I've seen English teachers who just do it because they, they want to be in Russia and that they see that as the only way to like make right. some money or, or go to travel and pay their costs, their expenses. Right. But I mean, now, nowadays there's a lot of foreigners in, in Russia and if, if they don't like you, they'll just, you know, get a different teacher. find a teacher right right but there were there were some points that i I was made i wanted to make while you were um you know you brought up some good points where the travel is really um depends what you're doing like how far you have to travel how long you have to travel um i came out with after like uh i don't know six months or so i came up with this schedule where i would in a spreadsheet i would say okay here are my times. Here's my, how much time I have to take, have to spend on yeah. the you know public transportation. I was young. I was 20. Oh, what was it? 23 or 24 when I when I um, right. went back to Moscow and taught. Um, so I could be on the metro like two to three hours a day. But what I would do on the metro was read. I'd read. I'd prepare lessons. Yeah. When I got home, I didn't have to prepare lessons. Um so I I did I used the time on the metro uh, quite quite well and then um I I had a financial goal to save so much um so that kind of pushed me but over time um I would say you know it, it definitely I wouldn't say demotivates but definitely wears on you like going um traveling so much on on the metro uh, from place to place, especially like you, uh, if you had a business group here, a business group there, and you're bouncing around from from place to place. Um, well, so I just I just want to make a comment there real quick. That was the
1: hardest thing for me, right? Because I had um, the first client was you know in the yeah. west of Saint Petersburg on Vasilostovsky Ostrov, mm-hmm. which is in the west side of the center of Saint Petersburg. And then the next one was. In the north of st petersburg and they were um almost like the, the time difference between them was too much so like you didn't have enough time to go home right but you also if you went directly to the next one you had nothing to do so like i found not only was the travel a pain but then you also had to kill a lot of time just kicking around yeah somewhere because you didn't have time to go home
0: right and and in the winter you, you have to go inside maybe oh. uh, you know buy something at a, <laughs> at a store or, or at a cafe right. and then yeah so uh, one thing I wanted to mention definitely the time that you're spending you got you got to take that into account um, but before I forget um, where where you had your lessons a lot of a lot of lessons are held obviously at the language school if you're teaching for a language school um, uh, I had a lot of lessons at home. I had, uh, a few in cafes and, and, you know, in the city where we, we met at a restaurant or a cafe. Um, but also I had some lessons at my house. So students would come. Yeah. When I got tired of, of traveling, I would, um, I would put on my, like I put my, um, profile up on different sites and with different, uh, agencies i just kind of cast my net and and found students in lots of different agencies and online and when i was tired of traveling i just said okay i'll meet you you know at my house so i had you know small living room where i i uh taught i taught mostly you know adults kids didn't come to come to my house but sure sure um yeah so there's kind of if you can balance that out and and that would and find kind of the um, ideal schedule, which there really isn't an ideal schedule, but you can alleviate some of that uh, traveling and stuff. right. So right. Um, another thing that I want to mention is um, when you're tra- when you're um, doing lessons with uh, you know private individuals, uh you you don't really know what they're expecting as far as pay and you don't really want to agree to a lesson too fast because you don't know all the details is a lot of the agencies are like what are you, what are you going to charge or what's your top, you know what's your your price and you kind of say a price or you say your rate but you kind of expect that the expectations are normal but then when you get there it's like oh um, i want you to do this and this and, and it's kind of too much like the expectations are all over the place and so i found that yeah. naming your price right off the bat was was dangerous because you don't know right. some sometimes they'd say well it's right next to the metro and you would get there and oh yeah, and you walk gosh. like 15 Is minutes tw- in the snow yep I was just going to say that
1: my the one that I taught in the west of St. Petersburg on the island, they told me when I signed up for it that it was right by the metro, right? <laughs> so I go and I look, oh, okay, it's 20 minutes on the metro, 23 minutes on the metro. Well, yeah, but once you get there, it's 15 minutes walk through slush and ice and uncleared roads until you get there, and then you're already soaking wet. It's only 8 in the morning. It was There were some bad mornings, not going to lie. I remember, especially in St. Petersburg, you get up, you get there, the weather's terrible and it's pitch black and you're just like walking there. So it, it, it can wear on you, right? Just these, you think, oh, it's only 15 minutes, right? But if every lesson you have in different corners of the city are 15 minutes walk for the Metro, believe me, after three
0: weeks, it's going to wear on you hard. I can, I can tell you that I, you know, I didn't start gaining weight until I moved away from that, from, you know, that kind of schedule yeah Uh, because I was always walking and I didn't mind again I didn't mind it at first uh, but um, you over time you kinda wanna pick and choose the clients that you wanna the students that you wanna work with Um, one thing that I really loved about teaching English uh, besides you know working with private individual with individuals is I worked at a university uh, teaching English for third and fourth year students and also I had a master's uh, group. Um, I loved ev- almost everything about that except the, the management at the university. So um, mm-hmm. that was nice because I they basically, it was uh, somebody told me hey they're looking for a, a, an English teacher um, and I approached them and I said hey I have Tuesdays and Thursdays, I'll do lessons all day, but I'm not going to do, like, lessons Monday through Friday, you know, two hours each day. I'll do lessons from morning to to the evening, and I I can dedicate two full days. And they're like, okay. So, they built their schedule around um, around my schedule, and the pay was terrible, but uh, I didn't really care because I, I kind of had my schedule, and I wanted the experience. Um, right. So... You kind of have to decide what is too much as far as, you know, if you're financially motivated, you will have to put up with some less some, um, work that you don't want, right? But if you're right. satisfied with, with the level of income that you have, you can pick and choose. You can say no and, and you know, be very, very satisfied and content with what you have. Um, a lot of people would take right. on students that they don't like, or they don't want to work with, or are too far away, and they would complain later. And I'd say, why, why don't you just, you know, you can just be satisfied with what you have, so. Right, right, right. Well, I think there's, there's
1: a lot of aspects to teaching English in Russia, right? And in this video, we touched on a lot of them. Um, so it would be interesting for us to hear your experience. If you're thinking about going to Russia to teach English, what kind of information would be most valuable to you Um, and before we end the video we want to tell you about our new website that we've got up in expats russia we're also creating a facebook group Um, if you want to keep in touch with us hear about different opportunities in russia follow us on facebook or sign up for news alerts on our website the links will be in the description and we'll see you in the next video this was ask an expat with marcus and matt from an Expats russia we hope you enjoyed the video. And
0: if you have a question about Russia, let us know in the comments. And we'll answer it in the video.